You're listening to Global IQ with Jim Falk, and my guest today is Dr. Ben Carson, who announced on May 4th his candidacy for the presidency of the United States. He's coming off a nice showing this past weekend in Oklahoma at the Southern Republican Leadership Conference, coming in first in the straw poll with 25.4% of votes cast. He spoke earlier today before the World Affairs Council of Dallas-Fort Worth as part of our candidate forum. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. Earlier this week, the Wall Street Journal carried an editorial, and it said that the United States was losing its ability to contain regional conflicts, and that, and I quote, the next president will need an urgent strategy to contain and counter the rising threats. The article mentioned in particular that President Putin had announced that he will be selling S-300 anti-aircraft missiles to Iran, and China, too, is projecting its military force in a way that we have never seen before. What would be your strategy, Dr. Carson, to counter these dangers? But well, we have to understand that uh, the world is a complex place and that right now it's sort of like a third grade classroom with no teacher. So you're going to have a lot of skirmishes breaking out all over the place. We have uh, vacated our position as the pinnacle nation in the world in terms of influence. Uh, when I say that, I don't mean that we have to be in control of everything or butt into everybody's business, but we do have to provide leadership and we have to understand what's going on. You look at Putin, for instance, uh, he has vast ambitions to reestablish an empire. Uh, how do we keep him from doing that? Uh, economically. Uh, you know, oil, that's his big thing. Uh, if we become much more competitive on the world stage, uh, utilizing our energy resources, it kind of pushes him back down and uh, limits his ambitions. Uh, you know, we have to project an image of strength. It's it's our our weakness that is causing the adventurism by China and the North China Sea. They wouldn't normally be doing things like that. And you know, ISIS. Everybody is testing us because they recognize that we are we don't have a strong foreign policy and we're not willing to back up what we say. Um, and I just go back to when Ronald Reagan became president. The day he took over, the hostages were released because people knew that business was coming back. We have incredible strength, but uh, if we don't project it in an appropriate way, We will have more battles to fight. We will lose more people. It will cost us more money. One of the toughest challenges the United States seems to be facing right now is with ISIS. And there's been a a lot of discussion with the Republican field about how we got to this point. Mm -hmm. We don't have enough time to talk about that Right. right now. But tell us what would be your strategy if you were president today? Well, recognizing that it's not just ISIS. Uh, it, there's a whole group of, of radical Islamic uh, jihadists uh, who have a desire to destroy us and our way of life. And bottom line is we have two choices. We can wait for them or we can destroy them first. That would be my strategy. I would use every resource that we have available to us. And you need to do it now while they're in their adolescent stage. If we allow them to reach uh, maturity and spread their tentacles into every part of the world, it's going to be much more difficult. It's going to cost us much more money and many more lives. Uh, There is nothing that I wouldn't use to destroy them. 
One of the issues that is certainly getting a lot of attention here in Dallas-Fort Worth is Jeb Henschling's position on not renewing the charter for the U.S. Export-Import Bank. Where do you stand on that? Well, I think the the Export-Import Bank, which has been around since 1934, has done a tremendous job in leveling the playing field for American businesses. Uh, And a a large part of our economy uh, thrives on you know, our ability to export in a reasonable way. So could there be some improvements made in the way that, that things are done? Probably. But, you know, I'm not one of those throw out the baby with the bathwater type people. Uh, you know, I, I think the Import-Export Bank serves a very useful purpose. I'm also very much for free trade. Uh, but, but I want it to be done in a way that the American people have an appropriate say in it. And we have that say through our representatives. We have a republic-type government, and we have representatives. We, we don't want a situation where the executive branch, uh, which can be tied to many different special interest groups, uh, makes all of these decisions on its own. Speaking of exports, Steve Hadley and Leon Panetta last week called for an end of the ban on U.S. oil exports in an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal. Where is your, what's your position? I 100% agree. I mean, those bans were put in in the 70s in response to the energy crisis. There's absolutely no reason for them anymore. We, you know, we, we seem to have a government that is paralyzed. I mean, I don't think there's anybody who could defend those things, and yet they're still there. Um, there's no one who can defend the highest corporate tax rate in the developed world, and yet they're still there. You know, we need a, a government with the ability to identify problems and to act and move on. Dr. Carson, you've had an exceptionally accomplished career in, in medicine. You're an author. You've served on several corporate boards of major corporations. But you've not served in elective office, nor do you, at least to the best of my knowledge, have a lot of experience in foreign policy. How do you respond to that? I, I would respond by saying that a, a lot of people have bought into the uh, fallacy that you need to have a long uh, time in government to be wise and to know how to do things appropriately. I say you have to have a lifetime of experience in solving problems and solving complex problems and in knowing how things work. Uh, you know, I've spent decades on corporate boards. Uh, I know how things work in the business world. You know, I've started a very successful national nonprofit organization, which is active in all 50 states. Uh, these are things that I think probably many people in the political world have not done and cannot do, but I don't say that that makes them incapable of doing things. Uh, they probably can do some things. But what is really needed uh, for governance, and I think you'll find this uh, in the writings of, of our founders, are not people who were just part of a a political heritage, uh, but rather people who love this country, understand our Constitution, how it's supposed to work, and uh, recognize that they work for the people and that the people don't work for them. We have time for just one or two more questions. And the Israeli-Palestinian conflict has certainly been quicksand for the United States and certainly U.S. presidents. Are you in favor of a two-state solution, and would you resume uh, negotiations? Well, I, I think negotiations are worthwhile. The, the, the real question is, 
where should the Palestinian state be? Uh, does it have to be, you know, in the midst of Israel when there's such apparent conflicts? That really, on its surface, doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, and I personally think we should begin to, to look at the possibilities of helping to establish a Palestinian state, just like you know, everybody got together and helped to establish the Israeli state. And uh, you know, it can be in proximity. There are a lot of areas where there's just a nobody in uh, Jordan and in Egypt and places like that that can be very close you know, to Israel, can be adjacent, quite frankly. And uh, you can make those places just as, as verdant and productive as Israel is. And, you know, I think one of the things that becomes very important is, is we have to start having the children, the Palestinian children and the Israeli children, get to know each other. It may be too late for the adults, but maybe we start working on the next generation and maybe we can have some peace there. Let's hope so. My last question, I'll ask you to elaborate a bit more on what's happening in Russia. On your website, I read, Putin's Russia has become dangerously belligerent. And what would the response, what would your response be? My response would be that we need to put him back in his little box. And how do we do that? Energy. Because, you know, Russia is a, a one-horse show energy. That's all they have. We need to take advantage of that. They've made the Europeans dependent upon them. We have so much energy. And, uh, you know, getting rid of those energy exportation rules, we could easily make Europe dependent on us. And uh, that would limit him quite substantially. We should also get into the, the fray with uh, China and China's energy. And we should undercut him in terms of the, the recent deals that he's, he's made for energy with uh, China. Uh, that's the way to contain him, quite frankly, and that's what I would do. You've been listening to Global IQ, and my guest has been Dr. Ben Carson. For information about the World Affairs Councils of America and a council in your community, go to worldaffairscouncils.org. Thank you very much, Dr. Carson, for a, being with us. A pleasure. Thank you.